It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do, that's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Live from our nation's capital. How do we reopen this economy? The latest on how this pandemic is impacting farmers. What does this do for the United States relationship with China? Bloomberg Sound On. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. We're responding to this crisis and manufacturers are stepping up like never before. We're looking at 70 candidates for different vaccines. How do we make sure a pandemic of this scale never happens again? This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin. Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. President Trump continues his coronavirus task force briefings. You can catch it right here. We are again on standby for those news conferences. And Ryan Teague Beckwith, Bloomberg National Political Reporter, will help us set the stage, as will Max Neeson, Bloomberg Opinion Columnist. All of that, plus Eric Wasson, giving us the latest on the 2020 News of the Day. And Joel Payne! Democratic strategist is back. Lots to get through. My name is Kevin Cirilli. I'm the chief Washington correspondent for Bloomberg Television and for Bloomberg Radio. Dr. Fauci is going to be at the ballgame tomorrow night, but he's not going to be at the coronavirus task force briefing. CNN says that the doc says he was he assumed he wasn't invited. So much to get through. So much to get through. But this is on the Bloomberg Terminal. I'm reading Victoria Hodge's report. Anthony Fauci says he assumes he's not invited to President Donald Trump's coronavirus briefing set for 5 p.m. in Washington on Tuesday. Fauci, the top U.S. infectious disease expert, spoke with spoke on CNN less than an hour before Trump is scheduled to resume his briefings. Wow. Wow. And that's where we begin tonight with Ryan Teague Beckwith. Rye is... Of course, a Bloomberg national national political reporter, Rye Fauci and President Trump. Wow, it's a uh, you know a match. Looks like we're hearing um, we are I, actually hearing uh, some technical difficulties. So I will reset. Uh, so any moment now, we are expected to hear from President Trump, uh, who will speak at the coronavirus task force briefing. Um, and Ryan, are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? Ah, oh, I can hear you. Thank you. All right. So Fauci versus President Trump, round a million. What's going on? Um, it's a match. I'm not going to say it's a match made in heaven. Um, I don't know where it was made, but uh, it's a match. I-, I think that the president is in a position here where he feels like he can't uh, fire Fauci, which would be his natural impulse when he is uh, disagreeing with someone this heavily. Um, but uh, so he's going to do the next best thing, which is just kind of constantly needle him and, um, you know, try to sort of publicly undermine him. It's kind of a similar dynamic as we saw with Jeff Sessions when he was attorney general. So the dynamic now is that the administration is trying to reset how they conduct business on the coronavirus. 
What do you think, based upon your reporting, Ryan Teague Beckwith, we are going to hear as it changes from President Trump? Um, I think that he is trying on a sort of official level to um, walk the line. You saw the tweet where he put out a picture of himself wearing the mask. Yeah, he wore a mask. And he, a week earlier, he wore the mask, and, and, and they sort of, you know, were kind of past that. The problem with, with um, this particular president is that he tends to backslide when, when he is saying something he doesn't in his heart believe. And, and I think in his heart, he isn't, isn't really there on things like the mask and uh, how to respond to the virus. And so you're going to kind of always hear this sort of dissonance where the, he's going to tweet something, but then the next day he's going to say something that kind of backtracks a little bit from it. So meanwhile, the Biden campaign has struck back on President Trump on the issue of masks in a new ad. You've got the latest on the Bloomberg terminal. What do we know? Well, this is, a, this is just one of those ads where, you know, as a person who watches these things very closely, I literally laugh out loud because um, it shows uh, it's basically just a segment of a speech that he gave on June 30th about how we should respond to the coronavirus. And in a normal era, that it would be a pretty bold blah speech. It's like, wear a mask, socially distance, do the right thing. Um, given sort of what the president has said, contra those things, it stands out a little bit more. But then midway through the ad, they do this kind of montage of Joe Biden wearing masks. Um, he's, it's him at a press conference. It's him talking to a reporter. It's him at a round table. It's him in a church. It's him and his wife walking near the Washington Monument. And every single one, he's wearing a mask. I counted 14 separate images of him wearing a mask in a 60-second ad. Wow. Uh, so clearly they see this as something they want to push. Like he might wear a mask once. He might tweet out that he's doing it. But this is this is how you do it. You do it every single time. And you know what else? I mean, I just don't really think people care. I think most American families outside of Washington, D.C. and outside of uh, we just got word of the two minute warning uh, for President Trump. And we'll, we'll you can listen to the, the start of the press conference right here on Bloomberg 99.1. But I think many Americans and their families are just trying to get through the summer. They're trying to figure out if their kids are going back to school. They're trying to figure out if they still have a job, if they're going to be furloughed. I mean, the amount of anxiety that they are under, that Americans are under. And quite frankly, that both politicians and both sides, you know, on Capitol Hill, for example, it's a mess. It's just a complete nightmare. And you point this out. The first votes are actually going to be conducted in six weeks. Talk to us about the process, not so much about the politics, but the process of how people are going to be actually casting ballots in six weeks. Wow. Yeah, be careful what you uh, wish for, because my editor is just literally bored of hearing me talk about process. But I love voting. But I think it's important. But I love your editor. I don't want to get in the middle, right? Don't get me in trouble. Uh, I'm just the host. She's great. She's a great editor. Um, she is. I love her. Uh, in North Carolina, will be the first state to begin mailing out absentee ballots. And that typically is done uh, 60 days before the election is when it begins. So, like, first part of September, people in North Carolina may start receiving absentee ballots and turning them in. Now, it's a state that doesn't do a lot of absentee voting, so it's probably not going to be a huge thing. Um, but then mid-September, right after that, uh, around September 15th, you're going to start seeing Michigan, Pennsylvania, states like that have um, 45 days before the election, they start mailing out ballots. And then September 19th and 20th is the next sort of batch. Uh, of states that come and start mailing out absentee ballots. Michigan and Pennsylvania in particular, um, they don't allow early voting. So what they do is they say you can show up at your elections office. You can say, I would like to sign up to be an absentee voter. 
and I would, and they will process that immediately. And then you'd say, and I would like to vote absentee right now. And then they will hand you an absentee ballot. You can fill it out and you can hand it right back to them. There's so, in so practice, many Michigan and Pennsylvania are going to be voting. Just to reset here, I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and for Bloomberg Radio, and we are covering multiple fronts tonight. Uh, this, of course, the president's first coronavirus task force briefing where he is urging Americans to wear a mask when not socially distancing. Joining us on the line now is the Democratic insider, Joel Payne. And Joel, I take it you were also listening and carefully following uh, what the president had to say. Joel is a Democratic strategist, former director of African-American media outreach for Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign. Joel, your reaction? Hey, Kevin. Hey, look, I, I thought the president obviously made a pivot in his tone. Um, I think uh, just in terms of the actual length of the press conference, I'm sure that'll make a lot of his allies happy. This was a much more focused president. Um, now, he'll still drive his critics crazy by saying things like the Chinese virus and, um, you know, trying to deflect and divert away from some of the responsibility. But um, this is probably about as good as he and his team could have hoped for um, in terms of this type of a setting for him. Um, now, this is day one. Come back and talk to me on Friday or talk to me next week um, after more bad news and after more uh, criticism and critique. Uh, but I do think that this probably served what the president wanted was to make him the story and to somewhat put him back in control of the narrative. You know, I think it was fascinating to see Joel Payne, Democratic strategist, the decision for the president to address the nation, to address the media, the world alone, to not be flanked by top administration officials. That's a decision. That's a that's a communication strategy. That's the, he's trying to convey something there, which is that he's going to own this. Uh, and there's an understanding, almost a subtle one, that now he's in charge. For Dr. Fauci to go on CNN an hour before this coronavirus task force briefing begins and to say he doesn't believe he's invited, and then for the president to go out there solo, that says something. What will the Democratic response be, Joel Payne, in Biden headquarters to this press conference? I think the response is not going to be much different from Biden. What Biden has taken from kind of day one where he's been the presumptive nominee, a do-no-harm approach. And I think he will continue to hammer home his messages, talk about the president's failures to be on top of this from minute one, from day one. But um, I, don't, I don't get the sense that the Biden campaign will wildly go off course from their strategy. Their strategy has been working for them. And you have to remember, the president has had moments like this where he has tried to signal a pivot. He, his allies have tried to signal that he's doing things differently. Here's the mistake that I think the president and his team are making. By taking an Anthony Fauci and a Deb Burks out of the mix as the, the medical experts, really all they're doing is putting the target right back on the president. So if you have the, 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 the probably the best manifestation of this press conference was when Trump was allowing Fauci and Burks to lead with facts and Pence to direct traffic a bit, and the president would be there to interject here and there. The president, because of how he likes to run his White House, needs to be in control. And so now he's got his press conference. Um, if the news gets better, it'll be good for the president. But as he said by his own admission, it doesn't appear that the news is going to get better anytime soon. 
It is quite, quite remarkable. This, of course, as the back and forth on masks uh, has continued to intensify. And again, just to reset, President Trump uh, said that uh, he has no problem wearing a mask and that he will use his gladly. The president delivering his coronavirus task force briefing, which we are now under the impression will be daily, daily on what has been a dizzying day of news in Washington. And coming up, we're going to break down all of it uh, from the Senate Banking Committee to Capitol Hill and the economic stimulus. And, and Joel, you're going to stick around, right? You're, you're, you're with me for the, for the rest of the hour. I'm here until you, until you tell me goodbye. <laughs> we can never tell Joel to go. It's great to have you back. And Eric Wasson is Bloomberg's congressional reporter. He's going to check in with us to get the dispatch from Capitol Hill on uh, what's going on with those negotiations. Remember, folks, you can download the Bloomberg Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find me on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Make sure you're drinking your water. It's a human one. Again, so incredibly hot and humid outside. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and for Bloomberg Radio. And get this, Judy Shelton, President of Donald Trump's contentious pick for the Federal Reserve's Board of Governors cleared a key hurdle to confirmation by winning the approval of a majority on the Senate Banking Committee. She was backed in a party-line vote, 13 to 12. Judy Shelton is now one step closer to getting Senate approval. More next. This is Bloomberg 99.1. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do. That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. I was at the Department of Justice today with the feds and... Um, I interviewed John Demers. John's the assistant attorney general for national security. He used to be a big Boeing guy uh, before he got the DOJ, as they call it. And I did a socially distanced interview, had the mask uh, outside of the Department of Justice. But it's really, really interesting, folks, because uh, John is actually the individual who is leading the team at the Department of Justice uh, on China. And the DOJ announced that uh, they indicted um, two Chinese hackers. And they're saying that they were backed by the Communist Party of China. Now, what these hackers did, according to court documents, uh, and their lawyers deny this, but according to the court docs, they were targeting U.S. companies. And not just the United States, like 10 countries, according to the court documents. These hackers, Chinese hackers, were looking after... To try to get information, are you ready for this? On COVID-19 research. Intellectual property pertaining to COVID-19 research. So that's making its way through the course. If you want to watch that interview, I just tweeted it out. It is also going to be airing on Bloomberg Television and I believe also on Bloomberg Radio. 
Um, but BloombergTV.com, Bloomberg.com, you can find it. John Demers, China is allowing hackers. That's what he had to say about me. And and I brought up the notion of reputational risk. And the reason I did is because the U.S., is, as you know, as we've reported on this program as well as in other uh, platforms uh, on this network, the U.S. is in the process of trying to bolster their supply chain. And the State Department, the Department of Justice, Democrats, Republicans, it's part of a broader push for U.S. foreign policy. And it's not just supply chain when we think of Amazon and the like and trucks, but also cyber supply chains. And it's a fascinating issue because when you think about it, China's doing this. There's allegations that Russia, but businesses have struggled with the incentive to report that they might be hacked. Why? Because they don't want to end up, they don't want their shareholders to be in the Wall Street Journal or the Financial Times and to think that, you know, they got a whack. They got hit. They got hacked. They don't want that reputational risk. They don't want to end up in the headlines and then the FBI gets involved and, and everything. And I asked John this point. I said, what do you say to the C-suite level who are nervous, who are very, very nervous about getting in touch with the feds and... Then, bam, they're on the front pages, they're on the Bloombergs, they're on the terminal. You know, they're everywhere. And he said, well, if you'll notice in the indictment, we didn't name which companies were hacked because they were cooperative, this wasn't their fault, and we want to work with them to make sure that it doesn't happen again so that, so that China isn't stealing U.S. intellectual property. Anyway, I'm, it's, it's a fascinating issue. It's one we always talk about, um, and if uh, you're interested in it, make sure you log on to watch it. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and for Bloomberg Radio. Let's bring it back to the panel. Joel Payne is a Democratic strategist. Joel, you know, the Biden campaign released a jobs proposal today, but I want to ask you about this issue of China because I find it incredibly politically fascinating that the Biden campaign is saying they're going to be tough on China, that more tough than Trump, and the Trump re-election campaign is saying Trump's going to be more tough on China than Joe Biden. Wow. Yeah, look, um, I think it's obviously an easy issue for either side to, you know, demagogue might be too strong of a word, but to certainly draw attention to and to um, try to box in the other side on. I think the president is probably going to talk about Biden's record in the Senate, his record as vice president, whether or not he was tough on China. And I think what the Biden campaign is going to talk about is really some of the ways that uh, many folks think that China has maybe run circles around Trump. And you look at, you know, um, obviously um, not not necessarily what happened with coronavirus, but if you look at, um, you know, some of Trump's relations with uh, the Chinese government and whether or not the president is able to um, really effectuate U a U.S. policy vis-a-vis uh, -vis the Chinese government, I think that's going to be a big issue. It, it showed up in ads, and it's clear that both sides are going to, um, you know, try to box in the other side on it. So uh, you're right. It is very fascinating. Um, and it, it, it impacts a lot of stuff, right? It impacts coronavirus. It impacts the economy. Um, it impacts national security. Very, very um, compelling stuff to, to watch out for. It really is. Joel Payne, it's so great to catch up with you. Please stay safe. My best to you and your family, my friend. And, and thank you for checking in with me. Uh, I appreciate that. That's Joel Payne. He's a Democratic strategist. We'll have him back on. He's always on our show. Um, fun fact about John Demers. He was born in Italy. I said, John, what part? He said, Gubbio. I said, the Cirillis come from Abruzzo. You know? So Italians, they're everywhere. 
but I was not born in Italy. I was born in Delco. Okay, Eric Watson's on the line. He's Bloomberg's congressional reporter. I have relatives, obviously, who are Italian. Eric! Okay, you're up on Capitol Hill. What's the latest, buddy, on the economic stimulus? Oh, hey, Kevin. So uh, a strange twist of fate. Normally it's Democrats that we say are a disarray, but this time it's the Republicans. And, wow! Uh, you know, th- there's, a, there's a real delay going on with the stimulus. The White House, uh, Mark Meadows, chief of staff, and Steve Mnuchin, the treasury secretary, came up to meet Republicans uh, for their lunch. And we thought they were going to unveil a bill or present a proposal. They didn't really present anything. It was more of a listening session. And as you might know, the Senate were, uh, you know, gathering people together is like herding cats. We had 15 to 20 people speaking up. Uh, airing various grievances. It's more like Festivus than a, than a real start to stimulus negotiations from what we were told. And this basically meant that later in the day, when uh, you know Mnuchin and Meadows went to meet with Pelosi and Schumer, they had nothing to bring forward. So uh, we heard from Pelosi and Schumer saying, look, they didn't even come with a proposal. We can't start talks. And the bottom line for investors and everyone listening is that really uh, unemployment benefits start to run out on Saturday in most states, on Sunday in New York. It's crazy, and, and we're not going to meet that. We're not going to meet that deadline. I mean, we're not going to meet. Wait, I got to interrupt. I got to. I got to rip up the script. Got to quote Tom Keen. You're telling us, Eric Watson, who is live on Capitol Hill tonight, we are not going to meet that deadline. Well, we're not going to be able. There's, there's no way Congress is able to act before these last uh, unemployment checks go out. Uh, you know, the 25th, and you know, <laughs> the goal of passing something. It still remains the, uh, you know, formally the Mnuchin's goal of passing something at the end of next week. I just see that's really slipping. I mean, we don't have a GOP proposal, and it's really Trump. He's continuing to insist on a payroll tax cut that's not popular among Republicans. They don't think it's really useful. Why? Okay, because I got to I want to I want to I I find this fascinating. I can't find a Republican, mind you, who who wants to go on the record and say. They, they don't want to necessarily criticize the president on it, but they're but they're not in agreement on this. What is the argument for why Republicans are against the payroll tax cut? Politically speaking, it would seem like a home run. Well, I mean, look, the real problem is if by you know if you're getting a payroll tax cut, it doesn't help people who don't have a job. We're, we have you know forty million right. people who have lost their jobs. They're not getting a paycheck. So they're not going to get a, any benefit from a payroll tax. Uh, cut, you know, so it's just it's just really they want to target this to the, the people who need it the most, who are really, you know, on a humanitarian level, uh, you yeah. know, not able to, you know, and, and also there's an implementation issue. Like, how are you going to structure this? Are you going to start to give everybody twenty, thirty dollars more per paycheck in in October and then roll it out from there? Is that really going to give you the kind of bump to the demand that you want? Uh, they much prefer, a, you know, again another iteration of this direct check, which goes to everybody. It's a it's and sort of a what's... blunt measure. Yeah. And that's what's really fascinating. Yeah. Eric, I, I wish I had more time with you. Can you come back tomorrow? Can we get more of an update from Eric Wasson tomorrow? Sure. All right. All right. We heard it there. Look, booking's easy, team. Shirley and Verada. We're going to get him back tomorrow. No, because Eric knows everything, the insides and outs of this. And what he said about the payroll tax cut and actually how it would work and whether or not it would actually go into effect retroactively for millions of Americans who have been able to keep their job is is – an argument that the president wants to make, but you know, I think behind the scenes they recognize that it's a it's an argument that they want to campaign on, uh, and 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 debate Joe Biden on. To be blunt, uh, but that's a debate that they're probably going to have to wait for a couple more weeks on. I'm more interested in whether or not Republicans are going to get on board with providing tax credit incentives for businesses not to furlough any workers at the end of the year. We're going to dive into that tomorrow. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg TV and Radio. Drink water. It is so humid. Thanks for listening to Bloomberg 99.1. 
You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.